Scott Marshall, he's the author of Bob Dylan, A Spiritual Life. Never before has a book like this one delved into the spiritual odyssey of cultural icon Bob Dylan, tracking an American original from his Jewish roots. I wonder what color that is. Um, blue and white. Nice. To his controversial embrace of Jesus, to his enduring legacy as the composer of the Tempest album, Bob Dylan, A Spiritual Life, delivers the story of a man in dogged pursuit of redemption. Based on years of research and original interviews, this book sorts through the myths and misunderstandings and reveals Dylan to be both traditional and radical in the way he expresses his spiritual quest for purpose and meaning. Call Dylan whatever you want, but the name won't stick, said forward writer and film director Scott Derrickson. What does stick, though, is his music, in part because his songs contain a deep, abiding spirituality that moves listeners more than the songs of any other artist. Bob Dylan, A Spiritual Life, bridges the gap between purpose and meaning in grand fashion. It offers readers an informative, entertaining, and nuanced look into Bob Dylan's spiritual odyssey. Today, there is not a Dylan book in existence that exclusively focuses on his spiritual odyssey through years of research and interviews, except this book. ScottMarshall.net is a website you want to go to. Scott Marshall is on the line with us right now. Scott, thank you for having a great last name. Well, hey, thank you so much for having me on, and I, I guess we should disclose we are not related to one another. At least I'm, I'm not aware of it. No, we're like the amazing Kreskin when he did his little psychic routines. So we've never. Let's just clear it up. We've never met before, right? We've never met. That is true. I got an email uh, just the other day and was made aware that there was a, a show in Canada, a popular show called the Drew Marshall Show. But uh, <laughs> but no, thank you, thank you for having me on. Um, I remember. You know, because I hung out with the Jesus people for a lot of years, and uh, when when Dylan sort of came out as a Christian, boy, the Jesus people, they just sunk their hooks into him something fierce. And I wonder if they sunk their hooks into him so much, you know, claiming him as their own. I wonder if that made him kind of shy away from the Jesus scene even more. What do you think? Well, I tell you, as far as my understanding of the Jesus people movement, it was late 60s, early 70s, and by, say, the mid-70s, not to say that there weren't still people who were from that movement alive and well, but in terms of its, uh, I guess you could say, media play, uh, a lot of that fizzled out. Like when when Dylan embraced Jesus in 1979, it was uh, the Jesus people movement in terms of... uh, it seemed to have fizzled out somewhat, and and Dylan, I would say, early on, uh, you know, Dylan did not. When you said people uh, sinking their hooks into him, he he didn't do any Christian television or any Christian radio. Praise God! And that that was right. <laughs> that's what some people would say, right? <laughs> but uh, but that's a profound thing what you just said because uh, I think a lot of people might not know what I think you're getting at, and that is that. There is this tendency for some Christians, uh, I don't know if it's an American phenomenon, uh, it certainly happens in America, but, but the idea of trotting somebody out who's a public figure, yeah. you know, to try to score points and, and this and that. And Dylan, you know, he, again, he did not, in fact, I discovered that one of the pastors from the vineyard who uh, was, uh, from what I can gather, was a friend to him as well, mm-hmm even years later, uh, advised him against that type of thing in terms of doing the circuit. And uh, Dylan did what he normally does, and that is he just, you know, wrote his songs and 
went on stage, and he eventually, I mean, the first in-depth public interview he really gave is nearly two years after his uh, experience. So he, you know, he had had some restraint in terms of after this experience of his, in terms of going public, other than his, you know, so uh, a guy I interviewed, uh, obviously, before his death a number of years ago, Larry Norman, uh, told me, uh, and I, I can't remember what the story was, but there was some connection between Larry Norman and Bob Dylan. Do you know anything about that relationship or that connection? I do know that Larry Norman, I read some quotes of his where he was uh, blown away by Dylan's record, Slow Train Coming, and what Dylan had come up with as far as the lyrics he had written, right. and I do know that he attended one of Dylan's only, you know, all gospel shows in November of 1979. That was when Dylan first uh, publicly brought these songs to the stage for a tour. Yeah. And to my knowledge, the two men never met, but I have little doubt that Dylan was uh, aware of him sure. in terms of just because he's a student of music in general and. Uh, I know that you know he did meet the late Keith Green, right. and there's that definitely a connection there. Wait, so hold on, uh, let me just clear this up for our listeners because you and I are talking shop here. Uh, Larry Norman was pretty much known as the Godfather of Christian rock. He was this long, blonde-haired hippie that signed to Capitol Records, and then you know kind of uh, kept going with the with the gospel music, or, or not gospel music, with Christian rock uh, to the point where his music was you know so. I guess radical at the time that it was banned from some Christian bookstores, which made him even more attractive to some people. Um, and Keith Green was like the the happy hyper puppy of of Christian music. Uh, he was this guy with curly curly hair, and he was really. Um, Larry Norman described Keith Green as like a, a, a muddy Labrador puppy uh, dog, you know, jumping up under your under your uh, when you greeted him, kind of a thing. Um, and did you just say that Keith Green and Bob Dylan had some kind of connection? They did. I, I know Keith Green died in 1982, and he was only uh, 28 years old, and so 28. Dylan was about 10 years older than he was. But you know, at, when Dylan first uh, embraced Jesus and like Dylan, Keith Green was a Jewish man, and so they. I think they shared something just in terms of my understanding is it's a very small percentage, you know, of, of Jewish people worldwide. I, I knew it was small, but in terms of percentage who believe that Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is God. Right. And so Dylan and Keith Green were in that uh, minority camp, and, and Green had been at it a while in terms of recording music and so forth. So anyway, but uh, he invited and Dylan accepted to uh, play play a, some harmonica on one of Keith Green's tracks to one of his albums oh, cool. uh, uh, called "So You Want to Go Back to Egypt." So Dylan actually, you know, is a side man on that that album of Keith Green. Wow. Wow, I did not know that. That's interesting. Okay, so Scott Marshall, according to the research you've done, of course we're talking about your book, Bob Dylan, A Spiritual Life, was Bob Dylan Jewish? Was he Christian? Was he just spiritually, um, you know, sort of dabbling in things? You know, like I remember when uh, when Cat Stevens sort of became a Muslim, people, well, there was the Cat Stevens Christian, and then Cat Stevens became a Muslim, and people were like, well, we're not sure what he is, and he'll probably change again, but he stayed a Muslim. He's still Yusuf of Islam. Uh, that's his new uh, name. Uh, Dylan, where did he end up landing spiritually? Do you know? Is it possible to know? 
Yeah, I would say, first of all, just to um, be a, a bit transparent, you know, I do not know Bob Dylan personally. I am not making claims for him no. out of the blue. No. I simply, what I've done with this book is I've tried to, you know, track, I've let him speak for himself through interviews he's done over the decades. But there is, a, whether you're Jewish or Christian, or you claim to be a Jewish Christian, or even if you don't give a flip about any of this, and you just happen to be a fan of Dylan, um, a lot of people are aware of this uh, this religious question with Dylan as in terms of, well, where is he? Where is he not? And I would just say there's no doubt about it. He's a Jewish man, and he's got uh, strong Jewish roots, and he still is spotted in, rec- in recent decades. He's spotted been spotted in synagogues, and uh, I know he was briefly you know, involved with the Vineyard Church in terms of worship and publicly attending until the press found out. When I I referenced the synagogues, uh, he certainly tries to slip in wherever he goes uh, privately, and sometimes he gets found out. But uh, I would just say that, uh, you know, he was bar mitzvahed at age 13 in 1954 in his home state of Minnesota, and, you know, in the middle of his, uh, or at the beginning of his career, rather, in... uh, 71 or 10 anyway 10 years into his career in 71 uh, someone cornered him in Israel and said why don't you just you know proclaim that you're a Jew what's the problem and Dylan's response was why should I have to proclaim something that's so obvious you know that his you know Dylan was basically saying his Jewishness touched his life and his art in ways he can't describe and so you know there's those Jewish roots were there and then when he came uh, uh, to know Jesus, and this is in 19, about 1979, even his album Saved, which was released in 1980, included, the one scripture it included was from the so-called Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, and it was a passage from Jeremiah, and some, you know, on stage before one of his songs during one of these gospel tours, he went into some lengthy rap session about the, you know, about the Passover, and so and then a couple of years later, when somebody asked him about, you know, what's with your interest in Israel, and and then this this new gospel stuff, what's you know, isn't it incompatible? And Dylan's response was, it's not, was not incompatible in his mind. Hmm. And again, so I think part of the story, actually a significant part of the story, is what it means or what it might mean for a man or a woman or a child who is Jewish to uh, not just believe in Jesus uh, as Messiah or God, but to be a public figure and actually speak out. Uh, you know, and, and Dylan typically, uh, for those who know the story, in terms of him sharing private things in his life, I mean, it's just pretty much does not happen. But this was a period, this 79 to 80 period, was a period where he did share, you know, a bit, quite a bit, whether it was on stage or through his songs. Um, Scott, I guess. I think I heard this a while ago, and I, I, I'd like your help confirming this. And by the way, I like the classy way you've approached this, right? You can't write about Bob Dylan's spiritual life with with any sort of uh, uh, extreme certainty. And it, it, you know, I remember going up to certain artists over the years, like the idiot I was, and saying to them, hey, uh, are you a Christian or are you not? And just idiot, idiot questions like that. Um you know, these days I understand a little bit more, not a lot more, a little bit more about the, I guess, the, the complexity of one's spiritual journey. 
But but I do so anyway. That was a little kudos to you for the way you put this together because it's a topic that you've got to almost do, you know, a dance. You've got to dance not around, but you've got to dance with a man who is reclusive about so many things and elusive about other things. So I think you've done a great job of dancing <laughs> dancing with Bob Dylan's spiritual life. If that's a weird uh, compliment, then uh, take it as it is. But his his early songs, Scott, is there not a quote out there that says something like, like Bob Dylan sort of said, look, man, I don't know where these came from. I was just a vessel and they came from above and I was just a vessel and it just went through me. Does that ring any bells? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, he's been at a loss at, at times to explain just this gift that's arguably been given to him. But I do know when he was working on his uh, memoirs, at least the first installment entitled Chronicles, which came out in 2004, he began to say in some interviews leading up to when that book was released and around that time, too, that he just had this God-given destiny in terms of these songs of his. And so he, you know... He, he seemed to embrace that at, at times. I certainly know in terms of the, you know, when people, not long after the, the, the so-called gospel albums, he got tired of the question, what you referred to earlier, like, well, where do you stand these days? I mean, he uh, he one time responded, he goes, well, how come people don't ask Billy Joel these kinds of questions? <laughs> you know? right. And another, another time he said, well, some people want to know where I'm at because they don't know where they're at. And that's you could, you could interpret that as a, a little bit of a, a cruel uh, response there, but he just... Um, no, that was a great response. But he just, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. I guess he, you know, he does what... Uh, sometimes he feels like addressing it, sometimes he doesn't. And uh, But in terms of just, if you really look at his body of works, the song songs he's composed, not every single one of them, but, but a number of his songs over the decades, you know, reflect this... Uh, this you know, preoccupation, it seems, with uh, spiritual or moral things. And he's certainly not, uh, I'm not lifting him up to be some type of, you know, model Christian. I have no idea, uh, you know, what he's had to go through and things that, you know, he's battled and grappled with, you know, over the decades. Um, you know, just what we have on the on the public record, which is actually substantial, but I'm certain that, uh, you know, there's there's things that he, he has... He has a private life as well that he still guards pretty fiercely. I mean, he's been doing that for the most part uh, since the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Scott, this book, Bob Dylan, A Spiritual Life, have you, I don't know, it's kind of a weird, goofy question, but have you heard from his peeps? Like, have any of his people sort of said to you, hey, uh, good book? I don't know. Have you heard anything? No, I have not. And I would say this, I mean, you know, if Dylan were to even attempt to track or have his some of his people track all that is written you know, about him, now even even just let's forget the web articles and magazines, and newspapers, just books. It would be a challenge. I mean, there's uh, there's no less than 300 published books on Bob Dylan in the wow. English language, wow. and you know it didn't really get started in a big way till the 80s, and then the last couple decades have been ever-increasing numbers. In other words, if you go on Amazon, yeah, there's, there's, you know, my book came out this year. There's a number of other books that have come out on Dylan. So anyway, I, I, I've not heard anything, but uh, I, I hope that I have, in this book, have walked the line to where it would be something if he happened to run across a passage or 
uh, take a look at the book. I would hope it'd be something that would honor his spiritual you know, journey. Sure. sure. There's a guy up this way who wrote a book about the spiritual life of Bruce Coburn and his lyrics and songs. And, and uh, uh, when I interviewed Bruce Coburn about... Well, his life, last time I interviewed him. Bruce has been on my show a couple times. Maybe three times, Tim? I don't know. I can't count. Um, I think more, maybe four or five. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, you know, Bruce was aware of the book. I'm not sure he uh, he's read it. But, you know, similar kind of impact. I don't know if you know much about Bruce Coburn and his music, but, boy, there's a just a ton of spiritual content in his tunes as well. Well, I've, I've had a number of friends over the years that uh, I know of him by name, but I must... Um, I must plead mostly ignorance, but I know he's a, from just all the testimony I've heard from people, um, that he's certainly a, a significant figure from what I can understand yeah. Yeah. in the songwriting, and he's been at it a long time, that's for certain. Um, Scott, do you think we're making too much of a big deal about Bob Dylan? You know, it's sort of a North American celebrity worship issue. Like, if he was from another country or... Or we were from, we were all, I don't know. Are we making too much of a thing about Bob Dylan? Well, it's interesting. I mean, somebody was asking me the other day, like, or, you know, as far as Dylan's touring activities, I mean, he's a 76-year-old man, and he still averages somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 concerts a year. And each summer for the last roughly 30 years, he's been going to Europe. And, yes, he's, he's, uh, there's the North American connection, but uh, he has a huge following uh, in, in in Europe and in particularly in the UK. I mean, I know that to this day, I mean, there's not a single magazine devoted to Dylan in the U.S., which is somewhat odd. There used to be that they've gone belly up, but there's two Dylan magazines in England, The Bridge and Isis, and both of those have been running. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm I, sorry. Did you say there's a magazine dedicated to Bob Dylan called Isis? There is, indeed. It's uh, named after his song from the mid-70s, so it has, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's fallen under hard times. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. how, that, how they grapple with that title. Uh, but no, yeah, it's been going since the mid-1980s, and a guy named Derek Barker runs that. And so, I mean, Dylan's definitely got an international appeal. I mean, he'll head to, you know, Japan or New Zealand, New Zealand, excuse me, from uh, every every few years or every number of years and so it's not just but but as far as the worship thing that's the funny thing like from the beginning there certainly were people who were um ready to pretty much worship him and he he was uh reluctant and and disgusted with that from the very beginning and actually what's kind of a bit of an irony and i'll throw this out there to anybody who might want to do a phd on this When Dylan was on one of his gospel tours, uh, one of the things he said from the stage, it was in Omaha, Nebraska, so it's kind of a good metaphor, like the heartland of America. Sure. He said, he said that, uh, you know, for years people used to say he was a prophet. You know, Dylan was saying this from the stage. He goes, you know, people would try to convince me that I was a prophet. And I'd say, no, no, it's not me. And they said, yes, yes. And then now I come out and say, Jesus is the answer. You know, and these people, you know, people are like, oh, Bob Dylan, he's no prophet, you know, because, you know, all that was happening at that time when so many people, not everyone, but a number of his fans turned on him. It wasn't just commercial and, commercially and critically, uh, although Slow Train, interestingly enough, actually was, did have a lot of sales. That was his album in 1979 where he uh, reflected his newfound faith. But anyway, but so he, 
you know, that's that's kind of the irony is that at least some of them him that were following him so closely yeah. uh, really jumped ship. And actually, it's been written on a number of times that Dylan never really critically recovered until Time Out of Mind, his album from 97, that got him back into the limelight as far as, you know, record sales, and he got a Grammy for the record. But some people literally point out that, uh, or argue that, uh, you know, he really took a hit from what he chose to do back in those days when he was, you know, uh, expressing, you know, his newfound faith in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying that his album, Slow Train Coming, derailed his career? Well, let's put it this way. It, it for a good season, it could be argued for about a generation until 97. It's not that nobody was buying Bob Dylan albums and talking about him, but in terms of uh, just, you know, previously... Uh, he had enjoyed a lot more success, but was, was, it really happened with the album Saved, which was 1980. But Slow Train Coming, even though it had mostly negative reviews, Rolling Stone magazine praised it. Uh, Jan Winter, the founder of the magazine, praised it when it came out, which was, you know, basically the exception to the rule. But, uh, but so yeah, I mean, he t- he took a hit, but he kept doing what he does. I mean, he pretty much kept touring and kept recording albums. And, uh, you know, I didn't even really come into his music till the mid-80s, you know, as a 19-year-old kid. So uh, I had no first-generation investment in terms of, you know, what he had done at the time. When, I, when he was, wor- you know, when I was born in the summer of love in 67, I mean, you know, Dylan had been at it already. He yeah. was world famous for a few years already. Well, listen, this is great stuff. I, you know, he's a, he's a guy that really only kind of hit my radar because of the Slow Train uh, album. As a matter of fact, I remember going to the stinking library, Tim, and renting the album. Not renting. But, uh, signing out? Signing out the album. Uh, Vinyl? Yeah. How did you carry that home? Really? It wasn't the winter, was it? Stop it. Because it didn't break. I, I kept it in the back window of the car and it warped. Did you? Yeah. And then you returned it? Yes. <laughs> nice. Um, Scott, thank you for writing this, and uh, th- again, thank you for for honoring. I don't know how to say this without sounding schmaltzy, but you you have honored a man whose spiritual life is intricate, and spiritual lives should authentic spiritual lives should be intricate, because if they're if they're um, I don't know I I don't even know how to finish that other than you know I know that there's been Jesus people over the year, years that that have written about Bob Dylan's Christianity and I can imagine Bob burning those books I don't think he'd burn yours how's that for a compliment <laughs> Yeah there will be no Beatles or Bob Dylan record burning even though nope. I live in the, the southern United States none of that should occur <laughs> Well done Scott Marshall author of Bob Dylan a spiritual life his website is scottmarshall.net Scott great to chat with you Great. Thank you so much for having me on, Drew. Take care, man. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. All right, folks. A short break on our show. And when we come back, Ted DiBiase and the Drew Marshall Show. Stay with us.